Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files here on the Bastion News Radio Network. We have on the line uh, George Landra. George, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All Excellent. Right. That's uh, good news. Yeah. <laughs> what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about, you know, you, know, you and I, <clears throat> we had this conversation uh, at the recent Frontier Freedom uh, uh, last week, and I wanted to kind of follow up with some of the things, you know, that, you know what the courts have been doing for the past uh uh, you know, a couple of weeks, and, and it's been kind of dramatic. Uh, oh, yeah, so, it has been. Yeah. And so, but before we do, I'm going to introduce my guest. Uh, uh, George Landreth is with the Frontier of Freedom, and um, he is the president. He's also a constitutional uh, scholar, taught at George Mason University, and been a practicing attorney. And and I am the chairman of America's PAC. I'm also the project director and senior fellow at the America's Majority Foundation. And it won't be long. I'll be joining Dr. Larry as a senior fellow at the Frontier Freedom. So that should be Absolutely. rather exciting. Yeah, uh, which, I'm excited uh, for that too. Yeah, which reminds me, uh, th- this first segment is brought to you by the Frontier Freedom. So why don't you tell everybody about the, the Frontier Freedom and where they can donate money. Sure. Well, the Frontiers of Freedom was founded by Senator Malcolm Wallop, and uh, he was uh, a friend of Ronald Reagan's. He was an ally of Ronald Reagan's. He served for three terms from Wyoming, and, uh, you know, he was uh, a real leader in the Senate as a conservative. And so when he retired, he said, I'd like to be involved in public policy and continue to help steer the country in the right direction. So he founded Frontiers of Freedom. And uh, shortly thereafter, he called me on the phone and asked me if I'd like to have lunch. And I'm thinking to myself, why is a senator asking me if I want to have lunch? And I think he could sense the, uh, the quizzical nature of my, my voice. So he explained that he was looking for a, a you know, president of his organization, and what, maybe I might be interested because a mutual friend of ours had suggested me. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, that sounds great, because I knew of him and wanted to, you know, the idea of working with him would have been really enjoyable. So, um, and the rest is history. But, but you can find us at ff.org, ff.org. And if you go there, you can hit on the button that says Donate in the upper right-hand corner, and you can donate anything from a dollar to, you know, a larger sum. And uh, we will try to put every dime you give us to good use to fight for constitutionally conservative approaches to government, you know, government problems. Okay, good. Well, like I say, we've had so much activity, and uh, I want to kind of go over a lot of 
You know, so we got the prayer. We got actually we got the school choice. We got the prayer. We got the gun rights, and then of course we got the, you know, the abolition of Roe v. Wade. So that's uh, right there. And I know, right. and, and we have not yet had the EPA one, correct? I've not seen that come across. I've not seen it yet today. Um, I expect it'll be coming out uh, in the next little while, but uh, but you never know yeah. which which day. Yeah. So, I mean, that you know goes you know the way I would like to see it go. That'd be like a double. Hit. I mean, that's like the crawl. I mean, that'd be like a five-time thing. Who would have thought that in a in a particular Supreme Court? Yeah. So. Now, I think what we're seeing, and I and this is very welcome news. Is a, and the left is going to, of course, accuse them of being activists because they're going to be uh, g- getting back into the business of not being activists. <laughs> and so they'll, oh, that's activists. But, but the reality is, you've seen this with the Roe v. Wade case, like, oh, that's activists. It's, you know, oh, well, they're making a law. It's like, no, they actually said the court shouldn't be in the business of making a law. We're going to leave that to the legislatures and to the people and their representatives. And that's what they did. And yet people are freaking out about it and telling us it's anti-democratic. So we're in for some, I think, kind of head scratchers because we're going to hear people say things like they have with the, uh, the Dobbs case, which is um, that they're destroying the Constitution, they're destroying our democracy. And, and you're like, okay, so allowing the people and their representatives to vote on this is destroying democracy. But in 1973 – when a handful of judges in black robes decided the public could not vote on this, their elected representatives could not vote on it, and that they would decide what the policy was, and no one could challenge it really, um, that wasn't an assault on our democracy. So it's kind of like, I feel like, is today Opposites Day? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, and... Well, obviously, Dobbs is the big one, and I guess we can go ahead and get started there, because mm-hmm. I just think, you know, because obviously, you know, that's like the 800-pound gorilla that came in, but, uh, you know. But, yeah, uh, I mean, I think for many of us who have hoped this day would come, and it's, you know, the reality is uh, there's several uh, several bases on our foundations upon which I hope for this day. One of them was just the idea that I reject the appropriateness of a court deciding for the people what the law ought to be when the Constitution is silent. You know, obviously, if somebody came to my house and said, we're going to throw you in jail because we saw you went to church last Sunday, and we don't agree with that, then I'd say, well, wait a minute. The public doesn't get a vote on that. The public doesn't get to vote on whether or not I get to go to the church of my choosing. The Constitution says I have that right, and therefore, um, you know, that's off the table for votes. And so the court could then say, yeah, that's not something we're going to vote on. And that's an important point. The founders believed that you had the right to, you know, worship as you choose. And it, and it wasn't subject to the, to the, the majority's approval. But the problem is, is on most issues, obviously, they left it to the, to the people's – I mean, that's what democracy is about. A representative democracy is all about the people's representatives voting on what the policy should be, you know, what the speed limit should be, where we you – know, 
where they should build the high school. You know, all of those questions are not constitutional questions. They're just questions that, uh, that, that the people decide through their elected representatives. And one of those, quite frankly, is related to abortion. So on, the, on that level, it was good to have a court get back in the business of interpreting the law, interpreting the Constitution, and not deciding that they would make themselves and crown themselves some sort of special or uber legislature that had special powers to pass laws that uh, we had no say in. That's good. I'm also pro-life, so on that basis, I'm also glad because now um, at least we can have a discussion, a national debate. Now, the Supreme Court did not say that pro-life people win. All they said was pro-life people can make their argument to their elected representatives, and, and then the, you know, the best arguments will theoretically win. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you know what I mean? So on some yeah. level, it's not as if um, the, the pro-life crowd got what they wanted, you know, meaning if they, if they want pro-life policy, they now have to argue for that in the public square. And they have to make sure they elect people who will argue and vote that way in the public, you know, in, when they get to the state house or the or Congress. So all the court really did was say the people shall decide. And I'm trying to figure out why that's so doggone controversial. Well, you know, this is the the intriguing aspect because you know, obviously, yeah, now Clarence Thomas hinted at it uh, that maybe it's time to revisit, you know, past cases. Along those lines, right. uh, dealing, you know, oral contraceptives or, you know, same-sex marriage. Now, yeah, and I don't think he, for example, is saying we shouldn't, we should make contraception illegal. What he's saying is, um, a, a Supreme Court decision did the exact same thing. They claimed that you have a constitutional right to contraception. Now, I think it's a, probably a fairly obvious statement that. Uh, Adults ought to be able to buy contraception if they choose to, right? But um, I don't think that's really that controversial. Having said that, I, it's not a constitutional right. The Constitution does not give you the right to buy contraception. And you know, it also doesn't give you the right to eat chocolate donuts. It, it's silent on chocolate donuts and contraception, so right. I don't have a constitutional right. So theoretically, a legislature could decide to take away my – favorite Saturday morning uh, breakfast food, chocolate donuts. And, and I would have to fight that in the courts, <laughs> you, know, you know, excuse me, in the, excuse me, in the legislature. I'd have to fight that and say, wait a minute, that's not your place to decide that. Yeah. But, but I, I, I find it curious because um, everyone acts like, oh, he wants to get rid of contraception. Like, no, he doesn't. It's a question of who decides. Who decides? Well, yeah, yeah, do people decide or does some court yeah. make stuff up? Well, let me ask you this question from you know that particular perspective, and let's kind of move a little forward because, to me, I can see exactly what you're saying. But I guess the other question would be: Is do people have the right with their position to determine health care, their personal health care? And yeah. uh, and my question would be: Is would that be a legal, a constitutional say? We will give, you know, it's not mentioned in the Constitution, but obviously we think that. You know, we'll leave it up to the – I guess my question would be is could you, also, could you make a civil libertarian argument or liberty argument saying that this is a decision best left to physicians and patients in their respect of their health care? You, uh, you know, are we talking about contraception now? 
Yeah, contraceptive, yes. Oh, yes. I, I, I really do not see a role for government to tell me whether, you know, whether I yeah. can use contraception or not. It doesn't strike me it's their place. And so I think that if you let the public vote on this, meaning our elected representatives, yeah. I am absolutely confident there's not a single state in the country that would outlaw contraception. Well, yeah, I think just, yeah, yeah. Might, they might outlaw it for minors. They might say, wait a minute. If parents want to buy contraception and give it to the children, they can, but we're not going to let 12-year-olds come in and buy contraception. Oh, well, they can't well, do it now. I mean, here's the thing. Right. right now, the only way – I mean, at this point, because I do know that there have been calls to make them over the counter. Yeah. In fact, and so Republicans themselves have even proposed that. And but certainly at this point, the only way you can get an oral contraception is you have to get a prescription from your physician. So this idea right. that – and a 12-year-old is going to get contraceptives on their own is it's know, unlikely. No, I understand. Unlikely. I was just pointing out that yeah. – I, but I do believe that when the left says things like, oh, see, they're going to come for your contraception. It's like they are not going to do that. Show me any candidate in the Republican Party in the last 50 years. Go back to Ronald Reagan. Did Ronald Reagan ever campaign on or even hint that it was his goal to take away your contraception? And the answer, of course, is no. And so um, I, the question really just comes down to one of what is it appropriate for a court to make up constitutional rights on things we all agree on? Like we might all agree that if I want to eat chocolate donuts, I should be able to. Yeah. But I well, would the, not agree, and I think yeah. I do have the right to eat chocolate donuts in some sort of generalized sense, but I'm not going to argue the Constitution gives that right to me. I would argue it differently. I would just say – this is something that legislatures ought not be wasting their time on. Yeah. If I want to even talk to you, let's take a more practical point of view at this point. Is let me put it this way: Obamacare covers it. So can you can you may almost make the argument that the federal government has pretty much detailed people should be able to get this because it's part of our health care plan that we put forward? It, it could well. Um, because that that could be a statutory right, and and yeah. we do have statutory rights. Um, some are constitutional rights, like free speech or freedom of religion, or the right to a fair and speedy trial. Those are not statutory; they're actually constitutional. But we have lots of statutory rights that have been established by law, and uh, they can of course be changed by the same process they were made. Just as your constitutional rights could also be changed. What I mean by that is if we repealed the First Amendment, you would no longer have freedom of religion or free speech yeah. or the freedom of assembly. So, yeah. you know, so the point is – the question is, isn't does the right exist? The question is, is it a constitutional right? Did the court make it yeah. up? Is it actually in there or is it a statutory right? And, yeah. you know, and I, I feel like some people just – they if you were the uh, – the left going into this election cycle, I understand why they want to pretend that the world is coming to yeah. an end well, because see, yeah. no, their we, power we, is about to come yeah. to an end. Yeah. See, my argument would be simply put, uh, number one, it's, there's already statutory laws on the book from a federal government saying birth control pills are, should, you know, are legal and are acceptable because they're part of health care plans. I mean, they pretty much all but stated that. So it seems to me that's a non-entity to begin with, even right. if you go into the statutory side of the equation. Hold on to that. No, topic. I agree with you. Yeah. I think you're well, right about that. that. I think, and, and that's why yeah. I think it's a made-up issue when you hear people yeah. acting yeah. like that's the next thing to be lost. Yeah. Okay, this is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files here on the Bastion News Radio Network. Uh, 
You can listen to the show every day at 11 a.m., 4 p.m. on the BastionNews.airtime.pro. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Uh, welcome back to the Dawson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I'm here with uh, George Landrum, the president of Frontier Freedom. You can also buy my book, America at the Abyss, Will America Survive? You can buy this book at warmazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, and libertyhillpublishingpress.com. Uh, it's a good read. I can tell folks that. It's a good right. read. Thank you. And also, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, this segment will be brought to you by the Frontier of Freedom, one of the up and leading think tanks started by the late Senator Malcolm Wallop. And, and George is going to tell you how you can contribute to this wonderful organization, which I will soon be a senior fellow at. Absolutely. In fact, um, I'd, I wouldn't mind uh, bestowing that uh, title to you right here now on live uh, radio because, right. you know. It's okay. your, I, I respect your thinking capacity and your reasoning capacity. And in a think tank world, you can never have too many smart people, and, uh, and you're one of them. So, but anyhow, if people want to donate, ff.org, ff.org, and up in the right-hand corner, there's a donate button, and there you can do it securely with uh, you know, encrypted um, uh, you know, modules that make, keep, make sure that your information isn't floating around on the web. Okay. All right. Now, back, now let's go on to the, the side of the, the gay rights issue or gay marriage. Do you see, I mean, first of all, number one, I don't see, I mean, obviously, again, it's a statutory uh, versus non-statutory, you know, versus constitutional right. But here's the question right. I'm going to throw back is to, because I'm going to kind of combine this with the loving case with dealt with interracial marriage. And, mm-hmm. And again, again, it, now the question come in play is how the decision was decided. Was it correctly decided in a constitutional fashion? Uh, there's always a you know, debate on our side on that score. But let me throw the question back in this way. And again, I don't. This is one of those things where 80 percent of states had already passed or legitimized through their state courts or passed same sex, you know, same sex marriage. Right, or they have civil unions or something like that, right? Right. So the bottom line yeah. was, so I, I don't see that happening either, strictly because even Republicans, I would say the majority of Republicans today will say, okay, I can live with that. That's fine with me. I don't care. Uh, but the, but I'm always trying to say to myself, I, and I go back to the interracial side because this is a fascinating another one because basically, <laughs> I mean, literally, you have a Supreme Court justice who's in an interracial marriage. Right. Um, hence, hence. Uh, the only black male on the court. Hence, hence. And we also, <laughs> and we also have a Supreme Court. Whose wife is named Jenny. Jenny, yes. And, <laughs> and we also have a member of the court who has adopted black children. Uh, right. She happens to be female. Hence, hence. Yeah. And she's not Latino. 
And she's the newest <laughs> member of the court. And she's the newest member of the court. So here's the but well, here's up the thing. Un- up until the uh, Justice Breyer retires and uh, yeah. and and uh, and President Biden's uh, nominee is there. But yeah. Well, let me, let me, here's the thing I always talk because I, I was reading through all of this, and the thing that really struck me in the case of interracial marriage, I do think you can find a constitutional side to this. I agree with you, and this is the rationale. Yeah. The Ninth Amendment created, um, yeah. and this is why history matters, because the Ninth Amendment says that that the uh, the people at that time understood there were a number of rights that we have, and that those rights were not this were not done away with simply because they weren't uh, written up in the first ten amendments. The first ten amendments yeah. only, if you read them actually, they're not giving you rights at all. They're, what they are is they're statements of what Congress cannot do with your rights. Yeah. They can't take away your right of free speech. They can't, you know, Congress shall make no law. Congress cannot, you know, the right of, the right of this shall not be abridged, etc. So they weren't actually creating a statement of rights. And so the Ninth Amendment says the fact that the Constitution is silent on certain things means – so that's why you hear originalists ask what – because these things were understood at the time. And you know, it's a little bit like if we all said to you something about uh, – if we said the uh, Star Wars uh, uh, you know, the series of movies, everyone would know what we're talking about. A hundred years from now or three hundred years from now, people might go, what are they talking about? I'm not sure. You know, and so the point is – there's a so history is helpful to understand because if you dig into history a couple hundred years from now you'd be able to say oh yeah I know what uh, you know yeah. Star Wars is and so the point is they had rights and one of them was marriage and the, but they the I'll be honest though they would not have understood in 18 excuse me in 1790 that you had a right to marry uh, interracially that probably wasn't understood but we have the 15th amendment which says we cannot make racial distinctions so it erases that part of it, and so then the marriage understanding that there was a right to marriage uh, is taken away by the Fifteenth Amendment, um, so that now, or not, you know, so that now it does, the racial part doesn't apply. But the but the sexual part, meaning um, same gender, um, there is no amendment that solves that problem. And in 1870, so I would argue same-sex marriage is not a constitutional right. The court got that wrong. It is not to say, again, we've just tried to make the distinction. Just because the Constitution is silent on it, it doesn't mean society, like it. I said, you know, the yeah. society can well, be okay yeah, with it, so we can yeah, have a, we can have a, a right to that's the, granted yeah, by back, statute. Yeah, I'll go back to the intermarriage stuff, interracial, because you made a very good point. And this is a point that oftentimes I get. You know, you make, you know, well, you can make the argument you make on same-sex marriage in the case of interracial marriage, that goes down to race, which is outlawed, as you say, in the 15th Amendment. So you could actually make a constitutional case that it would be unconstitutional to say to Clarence Thomas, you should not be married to Jenny. Exactly. No, I think that I think that's the accurate reading of it. I believe yeah. if I were a Supreme Court justice, and I'm very much an original intentist, I would say – if we didn't have the 15th Amendment, then there would be no constitutional right to interracial marriage because at that time it was not understood to mean that. But with the 15th Amendment, it is, and amendments count. And so, you know, but, but, but it wouldn't be the case that you uh, have the right to marry, you know, the, a guy. Um, 
if you're a guy. Um, that doesn't mean the statute can't permit it. That just means the Constitution doesn't explicitly state it. We have lots of rights that we exercise every single day that are, the Constitution has nothing to do with. It's just a function of either our government doesn't even bother to – like, for example, you probably picked up the clothes you wore today. Yeah. Why do you have the right to do that? Because somewhere along the line, government said, we're not going to bother with that garbage. We're going to leave that alone. And that's, that's the correct result. That's a good thing. And the same thing in lots of other ways, that we have freedoms in some cases simply because government does not get involved. And then in some cases, they create a statutory right. And that was done in many states with things like civil unions and other things. And um, that's not a bad thing. I think it's a bad thing when we make up law and pretend the Constitution says things it doesn't say because the courts aren't very good at making rules. They, they tend to be kind of these black and white rules, and they're not very nuanced. Uh, it was the whole problem with, uh, with uh, Roe v. Wade. All of a sudden, it was just you had a constitutional right to an abortion. And, um, and, and so you know, we now see states passing laws that permit abortions for a very short period of time uh, early on or under certain circumstances, that's a legislature figuring out what the challenges are and trying to work through things and listen to their constituents. And uh, I'm very pro-life, so I, I, you know, I can deal with uh, a lot fewer exceptions than some people, but the point is a legislature can be a little more can listen to different voices and then sometimes modulate its answer to get solutions that uh, aren't just so black and white. Yeah. Well, I'll get it. Yeah. I mean, look, this to me, like I say, is one of those, there are a lot of non-issues here that realistically speaking, nobody's going to do, but, you know, and, but I, again, I'm going to say in the case of interracial marriage, uh, it's rather self-evident to me that there is a constitutional Rationale, I agree with on, you on the basis of race. Now, yeah, I think I think that's absolutely yeah. uh, correct. And, and correct people reading. tend to forget. And people tend to forget, as I stated, you know, in the same sex. Over at that point, eighty percent had already approved some aspects of it, already more so yeah. than, let's say, in the case of, you know, as uh, Alito makes clear in his hearing, two thirds of the United States had not yet made, you know, abortion, you know illegal or since they are massively legal let's put it in that capacity uh mm-hmm. so so we have that uh now let's go to the second case and uh this is the one that was just recently done school prayer so uh go ahead and kind of briefly say what it was about and why you liked the decision or did you like the decision i did like it i thought it was the correct decision because it gets government out of the business of uh, trying to regulate private behavior. And when I say private behavior, the game is over. The coach, after the game is over, sometimes coaches will go to the sidelines and talk with parents or friends in the stands, but they're no longer on the job, so to speak. And the government doesn't regulate what they do there. Um, so he's all do all kinds of stuff. He could go over and politic. He could try to tell his friends to vote for his favorite candidate in the upcoming election. But for whatever reason, what he, he could, for example, talk to kids about uh, sex and, uh, you know, he, apparently given the way the left talks, he'd be allowed to take his clothes off and twerk in front of him, all kinds of crazy stuff, and that'd be okay. But if he goes up the 50-yard line and prays, we've got to fire that man. And uh, he would go to the 50-yard line on his own 
and, and pray. Now, what's interesting is some players joined him. There were those who then argued, well, they felt pressure to because he's the coach and he has authority. And since he's a government employee, people thought maybe they get more playing time if they go pray with him. But the fact pattern shows that's not true. A group of, uh, of players went to him and said, yeah, we're not sure we're comfortable with that because some of the players aren't religious. And, and he said, well, I respect that. And I says, I appreciate that you had the courage to come tell me that. I'm going to make you a captain on the football team because I feel like that's important, that you can come to me and have the courage to not tell me what you think I want to hear. I says, he said, I'm going to continue to pray because I think it's my right to, but I do appreciate that. So in other words, he rewarded the people who disagreed with him. And so um, the, the, the bottom line is there was no retaliation. People weren't benched because they didn't pray with him. People didn't get less playing time. It was just his private speech. And um, so it, I think it's very troubling if you, if you want the government to run around and say, what's he saying? What's he doing? Okay, he's fired. He can't. It's like we, we can agree that there's subject matter that we don't want third, you know, second grade teachers discussing with our kids because it's not age appropriate. But we probably would also agree that we don't want a, um, you know, what a te we don't want teachers fired because they, for example, thought that uh, Bill Clinton was a good or a bad president. You know, I, I I didn't like Bill Clinton as a president, but I would not advocate firing a teacher simply because they expressed an opinion that he was a successful president to the students. I'd be like, yeah, whatever. You know, yeah. Now, yeah, if the teacher uh, started rewarding ch uh, the students for agreeing with her and giving them better grades, I'd say, wait a minute. We don't need to t force them into yeah. agreeing what, with what, you. Yeah, let, okay, let me ask you one quick question here. Uh, how did you – know, here's the question I want you to think about. What they say in the decision the, itself, and what were some of the points they made in the decision? We'll come back here. This is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files, here in the Bachelor News Radio Network and listen to the show – uh, anytime, 11 a.m., 4 p.m., every day on the thebastionnews.airtime.pro, thebastionnews.airtime.pro. Required listening with Amazon Music. Dad Music again? The greatest guitarist of all time. Wait, who? Alexa, add this song to a new playlist. Sure, what's the new playlist name? Jack's Intro to Classic Rock. Adding Stepping Stone by Jimi Hendrix to Jack's Intro to Classic Rock playlist. Amazon Music, the simplest way to listen to the music you and soon he will love. New customers start your 30-day free trial at AmazonMusic.com. Renews automatically. Cancel anytime. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Donaldson Files here on the Master News Radio Network. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, you can buy my book, uh, America at the Abyss, Will America Survive? on BarnesandNoble.com. You can at Amazon.com and LibertyHillPublishingPress.com. So all of these, you can uh, uh, find my wonderful book, also uh, Frontier Freedom. Uh, you can go ff.org to Frontier Freedom, one of the leading defender of free market and conservative ideals in Washington, D.C., and the president is sitting here with me. And Mr. President, tell me, sir, how can people donate to the Frontier Freedom? Go to ff.org, and there's a button in the upper right-hand corner. It says Donate, and you can do it right there. It's uh, yeah. pretty easy, and it's safe. That's one thing that mattered to us is make sure it was encrypted and so that it was safe. All right. Now, uh, let's go back to okay, what 
did the Supreme Court say? How did they say it as far as this goes? Well, what they basically said was it was inappropriate for a school system to try to regulate the content of a coach's speech at a time when he's not coaching the youth. He's actually separated himself from them, and, um, and, and, but they're going in and, and regulating him. And they just said, yeah, that's not appropriate. And, and I think they're correct, right there. In other words, the Constitution guarantees him the, the right of free exercise. Um, now, does that mean that a teacher in the middle of math class can start preaching their version of whatever they believe? No, of course not, because they have a job to do, and the job is teach math. He's done his job. He's done coaching. Game's over. And, um, you know, like what if a teacher in between classes kneels at their desk and offers a quick prayer? So they'll, maybe they believe that the Lord can help them reach some students that are struggling. Uh, and so they pray for that. And a student happens to walk in on them while they're doing that. Should that teacher be fired? And the answer, of course, is no, because we all have a right to our religious views. And um, so the point is, I think the court just came down on the side of saying the First Amendment gives people the right to free exercise. And while there are limits, meaning, you know, if I'm going to McDonald's and I'm trying to order and the person refuses to take my order but instead wants to preach to me, the, the, the manager might say, whoa, 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 come on. That's not, they didn't come here for you to preach to them. But at the same time, they shouldn't, like if I sneeze and they say, God bless you, they shouldn't be fired for that. You know, so I, th I think part of this is we have to be reasonable and rational and realize that people have a right to believe the things that they believe, and we don't have to agree with them, and we don't have to fire someone because I saw they had a crucifix on. That's a sign of religion. Or they were wearing a, a, a Star of David. That offends me. You know, I we I, – we just got to get less focused on this kind of crazy stuff. And so I think the court set us back in the right direction because we were getting too much in this business where we were, we were basically trying to regulate the daylights out of religion. And we were no longer taking seriously the clause that says people have, Congress shall make no law or after the Civil War amendments, it now means government shall make no law to infringe upon free exercise of religion. And I, I think that's all they really did. They held that, and I think that was a good, a, a good, a good ruling. Well, let me ask you – yeah, let me throw this – okay. So, so basically what you're saying, this really wasn't a freedom of religion as much as a freedom of speech. Would that be I, – I would agree with that as well. I think it was a doubly protected matter because he has certain free speech rights in his private life. And he wasn't – and he, the interesting thing was he wasn't praying out loud, so he couldn't even, you couldn't even really argue that his words were offensive. Apparently, if you want to kneel to protest in the NFL, that's championed, and by golly, you're a hero, and we should all recognize that. But if you're a high school coach, you should be fired. And uh, that's the, I think that's the point of the court going, wait a minute, what are we doing here? We're regulating yeah. religion. We're stepping on free speech rights, um, and government can't do that. A private NFL owner technically can. A private because he's not he's not government. So an NFL owner can say, yeah, you know, he, 
they might even say, for example, I don't want you cursing on the sideline because the camera will pick it up and we have fans that don't like that kind of talk. So cut it out. That could be that a, co- a, a coach or a, an owner could say that. And, and the players could say, you can't take away my right to free speech. And he'd say, actually, I can because I'm not Congress. I'm not, real, I, you know, not disallowed from that. And I, you know, like most establishments, if you go, you'd probably might be surprised to find that if you went to McDonald's that all of the uh, people serving you curse like sailors at you when you walk in. Because the manager won't tolerate that because people find that offensive, that they get cussed at by the, by the help staff. Yeah. So on some level, uh, private actors can regulate speech, but government cannot. Yeah. Um, but, but a school yeah. teacher can, for example, make you be quiet during a test. But yeah. they're not objecting to the, what you're saying. They're objecting to the fact that you're, you know, you're like, this. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, I mean, this is, to me was interesting because the aspect to me was – is that this was not just this really had more to do with the, the right of a coach to celebrate his faith after the game versus actual freedom. You know, I guess you got to say you, the practice is religion and speak out at the same time. Uh, or the, and I thought that was interesting because it's a double yeah. whammy on this case. It's not a single whammy. All right. Um, right. The school choice was on the main versus. Uh, I can't tell you who it was versus, but they basically stated in effect, you can't, if you, you know, non-secular schools, that you have to do all. Is that how they interpret it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, basically, uh, Maine, because it has a lot of rural areas, they have some places where students really aren't served by public schools because of how the population is sparse in some sections of Maine. So they, the state legislature to solve this problem said, well, let's go ahead and provide some, um, you know, tuition assistance where we don't have, uh, you know, the ability to, you know, because we have compulsory education laws and it kind of seems a little unfair to have compulsory education laws and then uh, not provide them with schools that are reasonably, you know, close by and so forth. So they, so the legislature put this program in place, but they decided that you could only use it at, at non-religious schools. And the court said, yeah, if you're going to give money out to, to, to individuals to help them obtain an education, you can't say you can't. And, and that actually is, is well supported by the law. For example, the GI Bill. If you got the GI Bill, they couldn't tell you, you can't go to Notre Dame with that. You've got to go to a state school or a private school that's not religiously oriented. You can't go to BYU. You can't go to name, you know, name whatever religious oriented school it is. And the, and the federal government did not do that. You could take your GI Bill and use it to get an education at a religious school if you wanted. You could even get a religious degree if you wanted. And the reason was because the, the, the GI Bill wasn't funding the, the religious entity. It was providing a benefit to a human being that, that needed education. And then they chose where to spend it. And so the court just used that analysis here on the state level and said – you can't do that. You can't say uh, you can go to any school you want as long as uh, it's not affiliated with some religious group. Mm-hmm. All right. And I think uh, that's a very, very sound decision. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, and again, I mean, this was one of those interesting. Interesting enough, here's a little, you know, rest of the story. That speaking of Maine, James Blaine, 
you know, try to get a constitutional amendment that would have prohibited any aid to private schools. I just thought yeah. I'd put that in there. That was in the 1880s, but it was essentially specifically designed to, uh, you know, to stop. I mean, this is more of an anti-Catholic thing than was anything else at the time. Right. Yeah, the Blaine oh. Amendments, but but yeah, the, and that's because most of the private schools at that time were pro- most of them, not all of them, but most of them probably were affiliated with the Catholic Church. And if you hated Catholics, that might be something you'd try to pass through the legislature. But our First Amendment ought to prevent us from using religious animus as a basis for uh, how we do things. But I think the point here isn't obviously the. Yeah. We don't want schools to be uh, private schools to become uh, captured by the by you know state and local governments. But if they're going to have a program that basically is a tuition-based uh, school choice, there's the only thing we should be doing is saying you have to you'll have to use it to go to a real school, not a fake school, meaning that it's. You know, I mean, like I couldn't just start a school tomorrow in my basement and let the kids watch TV and then get tuition, you know, from a, a school choice program. It would have to be a real school. But as long as you satisfy that requirement, it shouldn't matter that I'm, uh, you know, associated with a Baptist church or a Mormon church or a Catholic church or a Presbyterian. None of that should matter or a Jewish church or a Muslim yeah. church. It's, that should be the choice of the parents who decide uh, so anyhow, that's the, I think what the court really did was quite rational, reasonable, and even-handed. It was just to say the government can't basically disadvantage, purposefully choose to single out a religious school and say, yeah, everyone else can get help or everyone else can get their tuition paid, but if they go to your school, no. Mm-hmm. All right, and now, did, like I said, we did that with the GI Bill. Did not do that with the GI Bill. Yeah. Well, again, the GI Bill was basically for everybody who served in the military. There was no discrimination at all. Right, but they could have. If if the people yeah. who are now going nuts about this case, they could have argued, how dare Sergeant Jones go to Notre Dame? He shouldn't be allowed to do that. And it's just like, okay, this is, you know. the uh, And that's what happens when people – don't bother to read the Constitution, they start using phrases that aren't, aren't in the Constitution, like separation of church and state. They then think, oh, so it's the job of government to make sure that we separate the two and that government needs to run around like, you know, if I'm reading the Bible at a park bench, uh, in a park bench in the town square, some police needs to come and say, sir, this is public lands. You can't be reading that here. You'll have to go home and do that. Like, what? I'm just sitting here reading a book. Why do you care? And the court would say, Listen, if you're allowed to read in the park, you can read the Bible or you can also read a bestseller. Heck, you can read uh, Tom Donaldson's book, you know, but but that makes sense. And that would be a good thing to do, too. I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. Well, yeah, uh, I think, yeah, it, you know, here, I, like I say, again, it's a fascination because you made the idea because you're absolutely right. The GI Bill didn't discriminate. You could basically take your bill, you know, into any school. Period. It, you just it, had to be accredited. It had to be a real school. It couldn't yeah, be a fake be accred- school. Yeah, it, it, as, as long as it was a real accredited. school, you still. Yeah, they'd be accredited. So that 
I didn't say it. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things where, yeah. Uh, now, the, the last thing we're going to go into is the gun rights uh, in New York. And we'll here, and when we come back from the break, and it'll be our last segment, what I want you to do is, again, talk about what, what did the decision make. First, what was the case about, and what did the – and what did they say of the decision? This is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Pilot here on the Bastion News Radio Network. You can listen to the show any day, any time at 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time of the Bastion News on Airtime.pro. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Well, back, ladies and gentlemen, to our last segment, and we're now going to go into the gun rights issue with uh, George. And okay, first, George, what was the case about, and what did the what did the majority of the Supreme Court say? So it was a, a case that came out of New York, and um, you had an individual who had a applied for a license to carry a handgun, and um, he was denied that. And the reason they had denied it was that he didn't show enough good reason for having one, meaning he said he needed it for self-defense. And they said, well, prove to us there's someone out there who wants to hurt you. And he said, well, I don't know. This city is a dangerous place. There's rising crime. It's a pretty rough you know, neighborhood. He said, no, no, that's, that's true for everybody. We need to know that there's someone out there who specifically threatened you and is coming for you, and so you need a gun. And, um, and so they denied it to him on that basis. And so he challenged it, and it's worked its way through the court system up to the Supreme Court, and they said that the, uh, that, that, was, that was an unconstitutionally restrictive reading that people do actually have a constitutional right, uh, provided they're law-abiding and so forth, to, um, to have a gun and, um, and to protect themselves. And so they basically said, um, you, can't, you can't tell a man, no, you can't have a gun because he doesn't have a threatening letter from somebody saying they're going to kill him. And I think that's a pretty rational decision because – I don't know how you could do what New York did if you have any understanding of what the Second Amendment says and means. And if you don't like the Second Amendment, then don't pretend it doesn't exist. Just you know, abolish it. We used to have an yeah. amendment that, that prohibited people from buying alcohol. And collectively, we decided we didn't like that, and so we abolished it. We didn't just pretend, oh, that was a bad idea. We'll just ignore it. We actually got rid of it. So um, the point is – you know, someone says, oh, but that's just, you know, that, it shouldn't say that. My response is fine. Then make that argument and get the United States, that would require a three-fifths majority of states, et cetera, to repeal the amendment. I don't think they can do that, and that may be why they refuse to bother. But there's a reason why that exists, and it seems to me that it's not um, just crazy talking. Yet, again, when you hear people say, 
and when you hear a leftist describe this court case, they make it sound like the uh, court is uh, trying to prevent states from resolving gun violence. And the answer is that that's a complete mischaracterization of this case because there's no evidence this man has ever committed even a, you know, there's no evidence he's even jaywalked, much less that he has committed any, any kind of, you know, violent crime or any sort of crime that would warrant you saying he shouldn't have a gun. Okay. All right. That, okay. So basically, in effect, is you know, what this decision said is that law-abiding citizens have a right to own a gun. Now, here's a question everybody never gets right but you. I should say people like you who actually read the Constitution. Uh, I, why shouldn't gun rights be allowed to be regulated by the state since we Republicans are demanding that of abortion? Well, because we have an explicit constitutional protection that says government cannot take away our right to bear arms. It's the same thing with um, – a conservative Republican, you know, or conservative originalist court, you know, intent kind of person would not argue that we should turn back the power to regulate speech to the states because the First Amendment says that government cannot make any law uh, infringing upon our right of free speech, free press, etc. And so basically the founders said there's certain things that will not be subject to a majority vote. You know, an example would be where you go to church. You know, even if 99% of the population says, yeah, I don't like his church, that might be true with, uh, you know, with that uh, Westboro Baptist Church that would go and protest at uh, veterans' funerals. We may all find what they do horrible, but we couldn't make their church, um, we couldn't shut down their church. You know, we, we might be able to stop them from certain things. I'm, I'm just pointing out the fact that we all find them deplorable does not give us the right to outlaw them outright and just say they cannot exist. And that's because we have a First Amendment with the, with the religious clause in it. And I think that's, you know, there's, that may mean we have to listen to some crazies, sometimes say some really insulting and horrible things. But most of the time, 99 times out of 100, what it really means is that we're just going to leave people alone to worship as they choose and give them freedom of conscience, and that's actually a really good thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, so basically it comes down to if it, you know, the reason is like guns are mentioned in the Constitution, abortion is not. Much right. in the same way that a, you know, an 18-year-old can vote, because it's a constitutional amendment that he can vote or she can vote, but there is nothing. But uh, we do discriminate against eighteen to twenty-year-olds uh, when it comes to drinking beer. Yeah, and that's not in the constitution, so they can't really. You could argue yeah. it doesn't make sense, but you can't argue it's unconstitutional to say that a twenty-one-year-old uh, or twenty-year-old can't buy beer. You know, I'm not saying I'm not even arguing for that. I'm just simply saying yeah. if I if I opposed it, I would not make a stupid argument. And it's a stupid argument to say it's unconstitutional because I would just say, OK, so we're in the Constitution. Does it prohibit denying 20 year olds the right to buy alcohol? 
And the answer is it doesn't. But, but if someone said, well, okay, well, how about if I deny them the right to vote? I'd say, well, actually, that is in there. <laughs> we passed an amendment yeah. a couple decades ago that says that 18-year-olds can vote. And if, if we decide that's a bad idea, then we can go ahead and, you know, repeal the amendment, I suppose. You know, we've done that before, and we could do that. I'm not even advocating that. I'm just saying that that's, I think, the appropriate thing to do, though, if you find something in the Constitution you disagree with. And too often the left just wants to ignore it and pretend it's not there. And then if they wish there was something there, rather than passing an amendment, they just kind of get a court to say it's there. And that renders your constitution largely meaningless, and I think that's a dangerous place to be, where you have a constitution that doesn't actually mean anything. Okay. Now, let me ask you this question. I'm 18-year-old. I can vote. Can they take away my right to own a gun? Since that, too, is a constitutional right. They say I can vote. I'm a citizen legal, you know, old enough to vote. Can they take away a constitutional right that's guaranteeing the Constitution and discriminate and say, well, you have to be 21 to enjoy, let's say, the bare arms? Um, I think that's problematic, because, constitutionally speaking, because if they could say you have to be 21, why couldn't they then say, um, because they've already said in terms of serving in the military and in terms of voting that, 20, that 18 is an adult, but now they want to say on a constitutional right, by our arms that it's a different age once you've said they can do that why couldn't they then just say you can you have a constitutional right to get a gun when you're 65 yeah and you know and so that i i and i'm not sure that that would make sense and they could say things like well but you know 65 year olds don't generally go in and shoot people and it's like well yeah i understand that but that's irrelevant <laughs> yeah it's irrelevant because obviously you can make the you know, the argument can be uh, you know the argument is rather simple. You're a legal citizen. You can vote. You can own. You can have a right to bear arms. Uh, that's why I think it's fascinating because no, I mean I, I keep hearing, "Well, we're going to raise the age to 21." I'm thinking to myself, "Wait a minute, how can you do that?" Yeah. Can you guy? raise the right? Can you raise the age of, of free speech to 21? No. Or, or to 45? I'll take that back. You shouldn't be able to. Yeah, and I don't think you can. I think the Constitution does not give it an age limit. Now, someone could say, does that mean the Constitution gives a two-year-old the right to own a gun? And I think the answer there is probably not, uh, simply because I don't believe our founders understood that two-year-olds could own a gun. Um, and and they would not have seen it that way, so as an original intent person. But they would have agreed that all adults could have guns. I think they might have agreed that even pre-adults could own guns. In that society, I think the idea that a 16-year-old could own a gun wouldn't be shocking, no. particularly if their you know, parents were okay with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's, you know, that's going to be – these are some interesting cases because you, you see that. You know, I, I'm listening to this. Now, the other question comes into play. Now, we've had the discussion red flag. We've got about – Five minutes left, so I'll tell you what, we're mm-hmm. not going to uh, – that's one of the subjects that we'll get into. We'll never get out of it in five minutes. So so let me put it this way. The EPA's decision is coming. What do you think how that's going to go based on what we've seen so far, if you were to hazard a guess? Well, I think that the um, – I'm hoping that they will be fairly 
um, serious and rigorous in their discussion and the, uh, of this because I would argue that this is um, the EPA has a, has basically declared itself to have authority that the statute never gave it. The statute explicitly did not give them that authority. It's not just by omission. It was debated, and it was you know it was discussed. It was all kinds of things, and it was opted to not give the supreme to give the EPA authority to regulate, um, you know, climate-oriented issues, you know, CO2 because it wasn't a pollutant. And um, and I, I so I I think that the if Congress wants to give the EPA the right to do that, they can. But the EPA does not have the right to say, you know what, Congress didn't give it to us, but we're going to do it anyhow. Because that basically means we're no longer a democratic republic. We're no longer um, focusing, you know. And so I, I, I think that's what they will do. I hope that's what they will do. Um, it doesn't mean that the EPA couldn't regulate CO2 emissions. It simply means they could do it if Congress told them they could. But that's the whole point, yeah. is imagine allowing a president or his administration to simply acquire powers that, was ne that were not given to them in the Constitution, were not given to them statutorily, and were specifically denied them statutorily. And then just saying, it doesn't matter, we're going to do it anyhow. Then we're no, we're no longer even have the rule of law anymore. That's, that's how crazy that is. So yeah. I think the court should do the same thing and just say, again, this is something for the people to decide and their elected representatives. If they want CO2 regulated, let them do it. But do not let government just pretend that it has the right to. And I think that's – I can't imagine why you would disagree with that, even if you're pro-regulating CO2. Yeah. Do it, do it the right way. Well, yeah, well – that's the, of course, that's the whole crux of it. They don't want to do it the right way because this way they don't have to go to the people to do it. <laughs> but all right, all right, we got about three minutes left. We got about two about two minutes left. So what I want you to do is very briefly describe people Frontier Freedom and how they can donate. Absolutely. Um, the ff.org is our website, ff.org. And then there's a donate button in the upper right-hand corner. And so folks could go there and click on that. And we appreciate support, whether it's the, uh, a big donation or a small one. The reality is we know people make sacrifices to help us get the job done. And so we really appreciate that. All right. So basically, ff.org, there's a little button on the right-hand corner. You push the button, and you can be then given money to the to the uh, frontier of freedom, it's a rather simple process. A great organization, and uh, and not only that, but just very briefly, we do have there's a video there on a conversation that you and I, Dr. Larry, had, uh, dealing with some of the issues we discussed here tonight. It was kind of the abbreviated version of it, so that would be absolutely. So you can listen to that as well. What I'm going to do here, I'm going to say thank you, George, for being on the show. Always a pleasure, Tom. And we're going to say goodnight here from the Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.